Hello and welcome to the Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and you know by now that my passion is to help dads become heroes. And if some of you are listening live, that's great. But in case you didn't know this, you can now listen to any of the live broadcasts later on iTunes at The Dad Whisper, or you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com to listen to any of the past shows or re-listen to this one. And you know that every week I do On Your Mark, Get Set, Go. So picture yourself standing side by side as fathers, getting ready to run your fathering race. I'm your coach, and I have a friend along with me today. You are going to love her story. And so I want you to picture the two of us standing there cheering you dads on, you fathers on in your fathering race. And the go is going to be the action step at the end. I'm going to go backwards this time. The get set is the stories that you're going to hear. And on your mark is the title. So let's start there with on your mark. The title today is when you long for your dad to see you. And I have one of my dear heart friends, Lee Wolf Bloom, joining us today. And Lee and I go way back. I was thinking about this probably a decade, actually. So let me tell you a little bit more about her so that you will be already up to date with a little bit about why I've invited her to tell her story today. So Lee is a mental health practitioner and best-selling author of two books. The first one, Table in the Darkness, A Healing Journey Through an eating disorder. And I can tell you honestly, as a clinician, a mental health clinician, I recommend this book often for girls that have women that have eating disorders because it is so raw and real and it's a story of redemption. If you know anyone that needs that kind of a story to speak into their lives, get Lee's book on that one. And then her new book is titled Brave is the New Beautiful, Finding the Courage to Be the Real You. Lee works in the field of eating disorders and substance abuse, and today she is going to be opening up about her relationship with her father because they have been through some really tough seasons with what she calls great grief and misunderstanding, even taking her to the point, not all because of him, but I'm saying her story includes even a suicide attempt. And yet now they've landed on the side of joy and connection. And I think of no better person to talk to this issue about what is it like to long for your dad, for your dad to see you than Lee. She lives in Edina, Minnesota with her husband and three boys in what she calls the frat house. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. So welcome, Lee. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here. Uh, Well, what a joy to have you here, and thank you for even risking vulnerability. You are being a brave beauty today by telling (laughs) your story. So, Lee, I I just shared a little bit about you, but I would love you to just open up, set the foundation by sharing a little bit more about yourself. Yes. So, I was born the third child into a family, which made our family five. And from an early age, my dad would joke around and say, oh, tables aren't made for five, and roller coasters aren't made for five. Mm. And that message, although it wasn't meant to harm, really did a number on me. Um, at an early age, I, I that message was portrayed to me as I didn't belong in this family. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with I also pretty much came out of the womb with this very boisterous, theatrical dramatic personality. <laughs> Which is what I love about you, by the way. <laughs> um, but it was in a family system that wasn't really quite prepared for that. Mm. Um, I also was the 
so-called accident. So there wasn't an expectation for me. And so that was constantly reminded to me throughout my life. And I think the key really, you know, now I am 44 and looking back through all the work that I've done at writing my books and, and doing, you know, therapy work and things like that is um, my dad and my personality could not be more different. Mm. I'm I'm very quiet. I, he's very quiet. I'm very extroverted. He's very organized. I can be tend to be pretty chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that relationship in and of itself um, was difficult growing up because we were so different, and it caused a great difficulty um, for me as a child growing mm. up. Yeah, understandably so. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, I can remember back being um, being a young girl and, you know, now I realize my dad is very quiet and shy and a man of few words. And then there's me, you know, in the car with him trying to connect and I always felt like he didn't love me because he wouldn't talk to me. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't understand was that he isn't a man of many words, you know, but I took that as... Um, that there was something wrong with me, along with all the other messages. Mm-hmm. And then when I went off to college and, you know, really decided to major in theater and um, kind of go my own path, um, it was always as if I was doing something wrong. It was always as if, um, and that was just the the implied message. This was not mm-hmm. what he meant, but it was just how I took it that, um, I didn't fit in because I was so gregarious and boisterous. I didn't, um, I wasn't the daughter he wanted because I didn't, you know, I majored in theater and I wanted mm-hmm. this life of creativity, not this life of stability. Um, and it was very challenging for our relationship because of our, mostly just because of the way we both were different mm-hmm. and created differently. Right. And I think what I want to highlight that you said is that. Many, many of us women, I think all of us, look at our dads for a reflection back of who we are in their eyes. And you're right. talking today about longing for your dad to see you. Lee, what would have helped? Because I'm sure we have a lot of dads listening or daughters that have the exact same personality and wiring that you and your dad have. What would have helped you to oh, hear from really- your dad? A really great question. Um, what would have helped, I think, at a young age was, um, you know, when you think about how we all have love languages, and I think what really would have helped me was him being able to understand and maybe understand that I was different and that that was okay. And I think it would have helped for him to, to validate that difference in me mm-hmm. versus try and make me fit into the idea of who he thought I was. Um, and I think I, I definitely needed more verbal validation than I was getting. Um, and I I just think that only happens when dads take a step back and do some self-reflection yeah. in terms of, you know, hey, I, I, I don't think, you know, the, the age I grew up, I don't think many dads would have done self-reflection. That's mm-hmm. why I think it's just so wonderful. Um, and actually, you know, my husband and I talk about this often because, our boys are very different, and there's definitely one boy who is more similar to my husband, and I see him giving 
that kid way more validation than the kid who isn't mm-hmm. like him. And so I remind him often, you know, don't forget, you know, just because he's not like you doesn't mean he doesn't still need some sort of affirmation mm-hmm. from you. And, does and your, I do think most... Does your husband listen to your input? Because I think that's a key thing here, is if dads would listen to their wives or their girlfriends or their sisters telling them, hey, I think your daughter needs this, they yeah. have to be able to take that without being defensive. Yes, and he he's very open to that. I think, like I mentioned, I think men nowadays are definitely more tender-hearted, maybe, mm-hmm. or more... You know, um, my dad was the provider, and that was his role. And I think he did a fantastic job of that and um, also taught me some wonderful things in my life about Mm -hmm. being a person of your word. Yeah. But what I needed was him to see me. I needed him to see me. And and then that, he wasn't the reason why I developed an eating disorder, but I felt invisible in my home. Mm. And so part of my shrinking and my disappearing through an eating disorder was maybe me manifesting something that was playing out in in my home Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. And here's what I wonder. I mean, you're a mental health clinician, as am I. Would you ever recommend that a dad write out his words on a piece of paper if he really doesn't have a skill set to be very verbal? Yes, absolutely. And actually, um, that's one of the things I would love for dads to do, to be able, if you're not a verbal person and it's too awkward mm-hmm. um, for you to say to your daughter, you know, here's what I see in you, mm-hmm. you know, that's where I think it should start. Like, here's what I see in you coming from an I statement. Mm-hmm. I see that you, you know, I see you're talented. I see you're unique. I see that you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of things would have been life-giving yeah. for me at a young age when, you know, I was just struggling in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Instead, the message I, I got most often was, you know, tables aren't made for five, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or you're the accident. And um, Were those and things said to you or implied? They were said often, and mm. um, it was a joke. It was a family joke. Mm-hmm. And the other piece about it is I was born very sensitive and overly sensitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, um, I would say it's, it's my thorn and my gift is that I'm so sensitive. It helps me in my work, but it also can get me in trouble. And mm-hmm. so those things really hurt me, and I didn't have a way to express myself mm-hmm. Um about why it hurt me. Mm-hmm. And then once I went through treatment, we had to do family therapy and um, these things were spoken and finally out on the table, you know, like right. me saying and having a voice, like, yeah. hey, I, I need you to see me for who I am, uh-huh. not who you think I should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other piece is I think it also completely affects my relationship with God um, mm-hmm. in terms of how I think God sees me. Yeah. Um, I think I get very confused about how God sees me because I, I, in my own mind, think I know how God sees me. Right. And right. then I look at Scripture, and Scripture doesn't say that. You know, Scripture mm-hmm. says I'm, I'm loved by God and adored by God. And, and seen. Loved and seen. And seen. <laughs> yeah. And You're not seen. invisible to Him. Right. And then the other piece of this, though, if you were to have my dad on the show and ask him 
she would have a different response. He would say, I loved her and I did everything to love her. Mm-hmm. It was like we were, you know, shooting arrows and just completely missing her. Mm-hmm. And now I do see that he loved me and he did love me, but it just, it, it yeah. missed yeah. us. Yeah. It, it missed both of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a powerful way to put it, is that if I was to talk to him, you would hear a different side of it. And I appreciate that you're highlighting that most dads aren't trying to miss or hurt their daughters. But if they don't ask at times, even if it's in a note, how am I doing it being your dad? Or is there any way that I'm missing you or anything you want from me? I think what courage that would take, you know? Exactly. Or what do you you need from me? Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and... But now, you know, I, I don't know if you're ready for the next part of the story. Sure. But, um, our relationship now is, is so, so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I, I'm able to look back now and see that she loved me fiercely. Mm. And um, he did it in the only way he knew how. Right. And um, Which was providing, how he, not talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Providing, yep, and mm-hmm. and that's how he grew up. That's what he was told that he should do, and so it's not his fault that he got this daughter that needed so much more, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but it just that's just kind of how it played out. Yeah. So I want to go back to one thing you said, Lee, which I believe dads could benefit having highlighted, which is that you would be teased, and so saying like, "Oh, you're an accident," or I think you even told me once that you might have been told that you were the backup daughter, you know, and that saying those things to be funny, I think dads need to be aware that teasing is a way to shut down the heart of your daughter. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And it's interesting now that I live in a house, my frat house with boys. (laughs) I mean, that's the way boys communicate. That's the way men communicate. You know, oh, they razz each other. And yeah, good point. So, I mean, it happens in my house all the time, and I'm always like, boys, you know, is that is that loving? Like, are you sure those words are loving? You know, yeah, it might be funny, and you might get a laugh, but are you sure that's loving? Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I think it was his, he was being endearing. I think he was trying to be, he was trying to connect with me, mm-hmm. um, but teasing um, was a very common thing in my house, and being so sensitive, I couldn't handle it. And I still can't handle it. Um, mm. It's still, like when my siblings do it, I I can only handle it for a little bit, and then it, it hurts. Right, so, right. yes, we were at, we were at uh, breakfast uh, a few years ago. You and, and your dad? And a, my dad and I and my sister, and it was my birthday, and I said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, you know, I maybe in the accident. Because now it doesn't bother me anymore because... I have a really, really good relationship with my dad. And, and he knows uh, how that hurt you now. He had ears he does, to yes. hear that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, he looked at me and he's like, oh, the accident. He's like, didn't you know my mother's um, only sibling died when my, when my mother was in her early 20s? And so my dad said, your mom didn't want to have just two kids in case one died. So we had you as the backup. Oh. <laughs> I was like... Oh, and I said to him, I said, you know what, Dad, that's probably not any better. I think you should probably just stick with calling me the accident. <laughs> but here, here we are now, you know, that did not hurt me. Mm-hmm. 
did because now, now I'm, I know that he does. He loves me mm-hmm. and he would, he would go to the end of, of the world mm-hmm. for, for me. And I know that now, but it's hard when, when you're a young person, especially when you're a teenager and you're, you're trying to navigate the world. Yeah. I have yeah. no, I have no blame for him at all. I think he did the best he could with what he had. Yeah. Um, and you know, what's funny, there is one thing that my dad always used to do, which was um, very interesting since he was always so shy, mm-hmm. is he, when he dropped me off places, he would play this game where he would drop me off and then he would say, oh, he'd roll down the window and say, hey, you forgot something. <laughs> and then I'd come back to the car and he'd, be, he'd say, I love you. And he wow. would do it three or four times. Um, Even when you were a little then, girl? This goes all yeah, the way back. I know. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I take this back. This is um, after my parents divorced when I was probably around 13. Okay. Which, remember, at 13, the last thing you want is your dad honking the horn <laughs> and yelling out the car, I love you. <laughs> exactly. So I do this to my kids now. <laughs> Every, I, wherever they are, I will do it to them. I will yell out, I love you, as loud as I can, embarrass them. I don't care because... <laughs> I want them to know. Yeah. And I think yeah. when I think about the through line of why I know he loves me is because of those brief moments like that where he was able to express it mm-hmm. and make sure I knew it. And yeah. that's what I think has carried us through. Mm, I love that. That you could tell that your dad was trying, but you had to be older to look back on that and see that. So, for dads listening today, and I asked you this a little bit earlier, but I know you are a wealth of wisdom. I mean, honestly, you guys have to know listening is Lee is my friend whose depth is so beautiful to me. And so, as we're just having this conversation, because you've been through the fire, that's why you have credibility to me, is you, you have lived out what you speak now. And so it's not just a pat answer, right? Or putting a Band-Aid on a deep wound is you've gone in there. And I wonder what the turning point was because dads that may be right here with a daughter going, I don't think it's ever going to get better. Like the bridge is bombed out. What, what would you tell dads either that your dad did or didn't do, but it sounds like he did join you in treatment at some point. What would you tell dads to do to help there be a turning point for them to take the initiative to help heal the relationship with their daughter? Um, I would say what my dad has done repeatedly is apologized. Mm. And um, once he knew, once we got into therapy when I was in treatment, um, and we really sat down and talked about it, mm-hmm. um, he apologized. And because he didn't know what he didn't know. Right. I, there, was nev- there was never an intention of harm. Um, it just was what it was. Mm-hmm. Two people, you know, trying to navigate life and really missing missing each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the one of the key moments. But then there were a couple other moments that were very powerful. Um, when I wrote my first book, um, I was very nervous about how my family would react, but I also knew that I was going to take the risk because I wanted to share the story so it would help people. Right. And I was home because um, my family was in Kansas and I was home um, have, and had this very large speaking engagement and I asked my dad if he would come. And he said to me very honestly, he said, I'm so proud of you. 
I'm so proud of you for how far you've come and all you've done, and I can't hear you speak. And it really kind of crushed mm. me. Um, but I appreciated that he was being honest. And I said, okay. I said, well, how come? And he said, well, because you, you're comfortable reliving the story um, of my struggle with an eating disorder. But he's like, it's too painful for me. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated his honesty. And I said, okay, Dad, I, I really appreciate that. He said, I just can't come to hear you speak. Wow. So my um, book, and he also said he wouldn't read the book. And I respected that, but I have to say I was a little hurt. Mm-hmm. And then I went home for a book signing at Barnes & Noble, and I knew he wouldn't come. I had just planned on it. Yeah. Um, I looked in the back of the room probably five minutes into the, at the talk, and my dad was standing there. Hmm. And there was nothing more I needed than that moment of him just showing up. And he saw you. Know? you. He saw he you there. He just, show, he just showed up. Now, after the book signing, he didn't say a word. <laughs> he didn't say anything like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so glad you're there. I, just, I saw him sneak in, and then he kind of snuck out. And, mm-hmm. and that, for me, was life-giving. Yeah. And he was just doing, you know, he's not a man of many words. So right. for him, he just showed up, right. and he did what he could. And then later, um, he was diagnosed with um, testicular cancer. No, prostate mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. And he called me to tell me that he was diagnosed. Wow. And he, and he was, we were both crying on the phone and he says, and I read your book today. Are and you kidding me? Wow. No. And, and I said, oh, I was scared. I'm like, dad, you know, and he, and all he said was this, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you, baby girl. I love Aww. you so much. And then he said, and I'm so sorry everything that happened Hmm. and you know to have that and that's the one thing I try and do with my kids like Mm -hmm. when I am wrong to go to them and say Mm -hmm. I'm sorry because that gift my dad has given me like you know it's that's a lifeline to give that to your your kids to just you're human and he just was like I'm sorry yeah I'm sorry how you took it sorry for what I did and that. I mean, that's just a gift. What a gift for a dad that has the courage, I mean, like you said, to read and hear your story that included him all the right. way to a suicide attempt that, right. you know, he was woven into the whole story, but he was, and it took him a while to be at the place where he could hear it. Well, yeah. I, this time is going way too fast, but I would love <laughs> to just even highlight here at the end your new book, Brave is the New Beautiful. And I wonder if you could just talk to the issue of bravery that it takes to be a dad, to make amends, because bravery is a concept that men relate to. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think the bravery isn't like jumping out of a plane or, you know, mm-hmm. um, running a race. But a bravery is being able to look at somebody eyeball to eyeball and say, I'm sorry, or say, hey, what can I do to be there for you? Like, that's really scary. Yes, yes. Especially a dad to a daughter, because Mm -hmm. dads are supposed to be, you know, strong and all, you know, all these images that we have Mm -hmm. of dads. But to do that for your daughter, um, I... You're preparing them for their husband, you know, so, yeah, for their future. Um, 
for their future. And so if they can have a a good relationship with their father, it will help them so much in their future relationships. Absolutely. With with their own husbands. Exactly. Well, let's close with a go step. I always love to have every person I interview. If you were to give one go step to dads of daughters listening today, an action step, what would you say, Lee? I would love for every dad to either go to their daughter, even if, like, I, I know this dad and daughter, and they text a lot, but mm-hmm. they don't talk a lot one-to-one. Yeah. And they have a great relationship, but it's just one of, it's just easier for them to text. Um, so whatever way works for you to just really ask her yeah. to see you. How do you want to be seen by me? Beautiful. Is it, do you want words? Do you need time? Do you need, like, what is it you need from me as a dad? I mean, what a gift. Yeah. And your daughter might be like, especially if she's a teenager, she might be like, oh, dad. <laughs> but she'll tell you eventually. Mm-hmm. She will, and I say this to my sons, you know, I'm like, how am I, how am I doing as a mom? Like, how, tell me, what is it that you need that I'm not giving mm-hmm. you? Um, and that's, just, that's a very brave and vul- brave is vulnerability, and that's a brave place to step into your, your daughter. But yeah. you're getting at her heart. Mm-hmm. And girls, you know, girls connect through relationships. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, exactly. So you're so saying, really dads, important. get in there. Oh, Lee, thank you there. so much for coming today, sharing Absolutely. your story on your mark today. The title's been When You Long for Your Dad to See You. You've heard from Lee Wolf Bloom, author of Brave is the New Beautiful. You got to go get that book for your daughters. She will love it. And Lee has given you a go step today. Dads, go and connect with your daughters in person or text on the phone and just ask what your daughter needs to be seen by you. And remember, you can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisper.com or you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com for more free resources. So thank you, dads, daughters, for listening today. Get out there, pursue your daughter's heart with intention and consistency. Go dads.